Hey guys, how you doing? Welcome to the next episode of the Advanced Man Podcast. Our guest today is, similar to me, a fellow sexuality facilitator for men. He's a little bit more explicit than I am. He pulls out sex toys and he shows men how to use them for themselves, you know? Not necessarily like, not demonstration-wise in person, but he shows you how to self-pleasure with toys as the demonstration. He's, he's very scientific. He's very logical. Cam Fraser is also a father. He lives up in the Sunshine Coast and we have been in each other's fields for a couple of years now so i'm really excited to have him on the show and talk all things men and sex so stay tuned and i look forward to seeing you in there all right and welcome cam fraser thanks for joining me brother uh it's good to have another men's coach that works in the field of sexuality i feel like this conversation we ought to get nice and raw and real um dude uh, we haven't spoke for a very very long time uh for those of you that don't know cam fraser is a men's uh men's sex coach, sexuality facilitator. Um, he was based over in Perth. Now he's up in the Sunshine Coast, Queensland. Seems everyone seems to be moving over here. I know I did it 12 months ago. It's beautiful. I'm a little bit further south. But uh, man, recent father, recent marriage. I mean, recent, you know, within the last couple of years, you've been on a pretty big journey. I remember our last, last conversation, you know, you've been over to America to play soccer and study and, you know, you've, you've lived quite the life. And um you know, our approach in sexuality has always been quite different. I'm a little bit more raw and wild and you're you're very knowledgeable. You've got a lot of knowledge backing, you know, you use a lot of statistics, a lot of, um, you know, doctors. Um, yeah, there's a lot more scientific study behind your posts compared to mine. But ultimately, we're still on the same mission. And I love that I can have you on here and we can have a good old chat about men and sex. Yeah, I'm excited to dive in, man. And um, yeah, I appreciate your approach to to the work as well. I think it's necessary. I think it's somewhat more relatable than some of the stuff that I can post. Sometimes I craft a post with all these academic references and then like two people read it. I'm like, that might have been a waste of my time because uh, no <laughs> one's resonating with it. So I do appreciate your approach, brother. Oh, let's not, let's not, uh, you know, you, you pull out the, um, you pull out the rubber cocks and you teach how to, you know, how to masturbate. You're, you're pretty raw in some of your approaches as well. That's, I'm not, I'm not going to discredit what you say either. Right. Like you, you're very, you're very, you're very, uh, you break the mold too. Don't worry. You break the mold no, too. Appreciate that, man. No worries. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm keen to dive in, man. I'm I'm keen to get to get into some conversation about men and sex and see where this goes. Absolutely. Um. Yeah. So you know, like I said, a lot of my guests on this podcast, you know, we cover the five the five principles of what I believe is to be the advanced man, right? Both happiness, relationships, identity, and wealth. And I think for men and sex, there's a lot of health and there's a lot of relationships involved. You know, and also identity. I think you know those three things really. Oh, and I mean, let's be honest, fucking happiness too, right? Like a happy, a man that gets laid is pretty fucking happy most of the time. But you know what I really want to chat today about, I'm going to drop some t- st- statistics at the beginning um, around men and sex. And I really want to unpack some of the unconscious patterning and um, the desire that men seek pleasure and, you know, and how that plays out in every aspect of our lives. You know, I think that's really, really paramount. And I feel like you're one of the best guests that I can have this conversation with. So, um, oh, you know, I've said this a few times on a few different things, but um, the porn industry, right? We were talking just before we got on about, you know, you've got a two-year-old son and you're like, fuck, he's going to watch porn at some point. The porn industry does uh, an estimated $100 billion a year in in turnover. And I'm imagining it's probably a bit more than that, to be fair. But uh, 100 billion. Well, I'd the... push back on you on. I'd already pushed back on you on that, brother. And I reckon it's less than that, to be totally honest. And I would love to see your source for that 100 billion because I have seen other sources and really? other fact checking done where it would be less than that. So yeah. that was that. I was sorry to just nah, start on that. Awesome. That foot, brother. Ooh, but, um, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> only reason. 
the reason I say it is I just read a book where that number was cited and then they go do a big, big fact check on like where that number's come from. Um, the book for anyone that's interested is called Porn Panic, Sex and Censorship in the UK mm. by um, Terry Bennett. Uh, mm. And uh, yeah, he goes on a big of a bit of a deep dive into like where that number specifically comes from and how it's like maybe a bit inflated. Yeah, right. Okay. Cool. Well, I'm going to run with 100 billion because that's going to work. But but I'm open to it being wrong. I'm very open to it being wrong. I mean, I do agree. It's in the billions. Like I'm not saying it's like they made 100 bucks. It's definitely a lot. It's definitely in the tens of billions for sure, right? For sure. So anyway, tens of billions of dollars in the porn industry. Um, (laughs) The human sex trafficking or human trafficking industry is, you know, projected to be at about 150 billion. uh, And that's predominantly sex slavery. And the prostitute industry is also a projected $180 billion a year, right? And so even if they are inflamed, we're still talking hundreds of billions of dollars a year is spent on predominantly men just trying to get laid, ultimately. That's not including men going on dates, dating apps, you know, all the other things that men do in the everyday world. You know, like I would I would like to believe, I would really like to believe that the amount of men that go see prostitutes and that in, include in uh, that, you know, are investing in this, you know, disgusting human trafficking um, industry is not the majority, you know, like even though those numbers are very high, I would really choose to believe, and I could be wrong here, that that's not the majority, which then means there's probably the same amount of money being spent on men on dates, on dating sites, you know, going to uh, sex shows and all those types of things to just just to try to get pleasure, just to try to get laid. And so for me, you know, like men's sexuality is a ma- that's nearly half a trillion dollars a year. That's a lot of fucking money on men trying to get one thing. And I had an argument with a woman online the other day. She was like, well, people just want pleasure for pleasure, you know, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't really believe that. I, you know, like I believe that majority of men that are seeking pleasure to that extreme looking for something more and i'd love to open the conversation with you around around that you know around men's pleasure and what really is beneath the surface yeah appreciate you speaking into this man look i i firstly want to say like um i'm not a huge fan of conflating pornography industry with sex trafficking and sex work because they are three firstly very different areas and a lot of people get can get confused and think that all sex work is sex trafficking when it is not. And no, there's a lot not. of people that are doing sex work specifically, um, you know, out of their own consent and out of their own agency. Um, so that's something I, I, I definitely want to make clear. I'll, I'll also use the term sex work. I'm not a huge fan of the term prostitute just because of the negative connotations. Understand um, again, that. Just out of respect for people that are using the term sex worker. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, to, to your larger point, man, yeah, like there is a desire for, intimacy there's a desire for feeling some sort of sexual we might say expression or empowerment or sexual like just like tapping into some sort of your sexuality because you know mm. for a lot of guys at least in my experience and, and you know my own personal experience but also my experience professionally is a lot of guys don't have a lot of avenues for mm. expressing their sexuality in mm. you know in like in a full spectrum kind of way like mm. there's a very much narrow boxed in uh, way that men are expected to express themselves sexually. And if you don't, then you're considered maybe gay, right? So if we're talking about straight dudes or you're considered weird or you're considered less of a man for mm-hmm. not conforming to this particular way of expressing your sexuality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so going and watching porn or going and seeing a sex worker is like for a lot of guys, gives them an opportunity to 
like explore their sexuality in a way that maybe they feel a little bit of shame about because yeah. they haven't been conforming to this societal narrative of what's expected of men and masculinity. So yeah. I think like there's a, a safety element in doing that by watching porn. You've got an opportunity to like maybe watch the thing that you have some shame around and you can explore it in that safer environment, right? Or going and seeing, I, I've had sex workers on my podcast and a lot of them say to me, a lot of the clients that they that they see, they just want to chat and they, you know, obviously there's some, a sexual element to it, but they want to connect. They want some intimacy. They don't just want to come in, fuck and then leave. Some, maybe some of the guys do, the percentage, but they say a lot more. They're looking for connection. They're looking for an opportunity to, you know, express a part of themselves that they haven't had an opportunity to do before. Um, and so to, like that I can get behind, right? This mm. idea that like a lot of guys are wanting yeah. and they desire to explore pleasure. They're not sure how. And there's a pretty strong narrative in you know, mainstream media and, and, you know, outside of that mainstream media as well, where like, you know, I see this in my workshops as well. Like men are, are afraid of exploring their sexuality. There's like a, and, and, you know, it's, it's a fear that comes from, I think a good place. Like a lot of guys are like, I don't want to cross anyone's boundaries. I don't want to yep. fuck up. I don't want to yep. do the wrong thing. I don't want to yep. make women feel uncomfortable. I don't want to be the creepy guy. Right. Like that's, mm. and that's a fear that I have had in my life as well. You know, I've spoken another podcast before when I, I used to teach yoga and I would do no adjustments of my students because I was like, I don't want to be the male yoga teacher that inappropriately touches his female students. Right. And, and I had to do some reflection on that and be like, well, I'm not inappropriately touching my students. I mean, I'm, I'm not there with the agenda to inappropriately touch my female students. I'm doing it because I, this is what I was passionate about. And it's yep. what I was really interested in at the time. Um, I don't teach yoga anymore. Uh, and so I had to go, well, how am I showing up? in this space i'm showing up by filtering my expression of sexuality right i'm i'm, I'm putting kind of a bit of a mask on here to show up in a, and be hyper vigilant with regards to like guarding my sexual energy or my sexuality mm. and um that's not right that that doesn't feel good for me it's probably not feeling good for other people they can probably feel that there's you know attention there for me so when i personally started doing some reflection and some work on this i was like i'm just going to drop that mask i'm just going to mm. you know be genuine with regards to like what it is that i'm interested in which is sex and pleasure and masculinity and talking about these things and when i started doing that in my yoga classes and in my workshops and online much more people started resonating with it rather yeah. than trying to hide behind like talking about things in a way that didn't really mention sex explicitly when i just went you know what fuck that i'm going to talk about it genuinely and authentically much more people started resonating with the work and started going thank you for talking mm. about it. like it was mm. a very interesting um experience for me personally and i think a lot of guys are stuck in that spot of being like hyper vigilant like well, i don't want to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. I don't want to come across as the creepy dude with a, an agenda to talk about sex. And so part of my like work with guys is like getting them comfortable firstly in their own body with yep. experiencing pleasure, exploring their sexuality, like feeling comfortable with it by themselves, because mm. that's a big step for a lot of guys. They're not, yeah. they're not comfortable. And then from there going, right, how can you share this in a way that isn't going to cross boundaries? And you know, mm. that it's not going to cross boundaries because you're aware of boundaries. You're able to ask for consent. You're able to notice people's you know, reactions to your sharing of your sexual energy or your sexual expression. Um, and so like having that empowerment piece as well. And it, and it starts with taking ownership. You know, I, I often have this little, this little, uh, I don't know, fable, you want to call it, uh, of this idea of like, you know, a lot of guys, when they see someone who they're attracted to, like, you know, I'll talk heterosexual here. Like a guy will see a chick that she finds attractive, uh, that he finds attractive and says like, you know, the framework in, uh, of the way he approaches that might be like, oh, she's so hot. It turns me on. She's so fucking hot. Right. And that like little little thought there is it's her fault that I'm turned on. 
mm. right? Like it's yeah, her, my my arousal is kind of coming from her. It's, mm. it's dependent upon her because I've mm-hmm. seen her. So it's her responsibility that I'm turned on. And the reframe, that like switch of ownership for the guys that I work with and, and whoever will listen to me really is like, instead of saying, she's so hot, right? It's, oh, I'm turned on when I see her. I, I get turned on when I see her rather mm. than she's so hot, she turns me on. And that slight, you know, linguistic change mm. puts the ownership and the responsibility on you. It's your fault you're turned on, right? And mm. I use the term fault there in a very tongue-in-cheek way. It's, yeah, like, yeah. it's not a problem that you're turned on, but it's like- It's, it's your responsibility. The onus of it. Mm. Totally, yeah. And I yeah. think that's where a lot of guys need to begin is like taking responsibility for that sexual experience that they have. Yeah, 100%. I am. Um, so, there's so many, so many things I want to pull apart Sorry, from that thing. No, it's great. It's great. Um, you know, it, I couldn't agree with pretty much everything you said anymore. You know, and it's very similar when I work with dudes, the first month is about self pleasure. That's it. That's just like self, because you can't learn how to de- have deep, intimate connections with anyone, whether you're with someone, like whether you're in a relationship or whether you're single. Like it's always going to come across creepy if you haven't fully owned your own sexual desire and your own sexual like wants and needs. And I say that the superpower is to be able to acknowledge the desire without being attached to the outcome. You know, it's like if you can own your desires and be like, yeah, you're hot, you're attractive. I have a sexual desire towards you and I don't need it. I don't need it, you know? And that's really hard for, I've found really hard for a lot of women to digest because they're not used to it. They're used to men being exactly what you said. You're hot, you turn me on. So now we, this needs to happen or you know, you're responsible for my arousal as opposed to, oh, I'm aroused in your company and I can stay aroused in your company and nothing needs to happen. And, you know, you and I know with the tantric practices of sublimation, culmination, you know, all these types of things, that's how you channel your energy up and down as opposed to it being like, you know, horizontally penetrating every woman that you see. Um, mm. But yeah, it's it's a scary thing. It, just like what you were saying, the Me Too movement, you know, the, the feminine empowerment movement, which are all needed, right? All of it was needed. All of these movements that happen were needed because they speak to the things that are current and present and have happened and we need to bring awareness to them. But obviously the flip side of that is now the majority of men out there that are good, which is which is the majority, the men out there that don't want to cross boundaries, the men that don't want to be seen as a predator, the men that don't want to step over women's boundaries and do anything wrong are now the ones that it go, oh, well, um, I'm not sure what to do because now I'm in new territory. And I was listening to a podcast with Chris Williamson, uh, who does um, modern modern wisdom, and he's got a lot of good stats on on this type of stuff. He said predominantly, you know, he said the the it's not that it's not happening, but the problem is it's not a thousand men doing one bad action. It's usually one bad dude doing a thousand bad actions. And so now what happens is the other nine hundred ninety nine men, obviously they're just made up numbers, but you know, just to give you a scope of like they're the ones that are now suffering and not able to engage with women because they're going to be seen as a predator because of the actions of one or the, 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 uh, the few that are doing multiple bad things, which are causing a multitude of the, of the harm. Um, and he was throwing out statistics. I can't remember the number, you know, men are afraid to make the first step because they don't want to be seen as creepy. You know, something like 68% of men are afraid to take the first step because they're afraid 74% of women want the man to take the first step. So it's like, if you're seeing a massive kind of dis- disconnection between, well, this is what women want. And they, they say that that's what they want. The reality for a lot of men is if I do this, I'm going to be seen 
a certain way that I don't want to be seen. And then, you know, yeah, it's just a big disconnection. Um, and like you say, then what happens is like, well, I feel shame. I feel not good enough as a man. It's easier for me to go get my intimacy hit by watching a screen or going to see an escort or a, a sex worker and having that connection. Um, and there are, you are right. There are some absolutely I've dated ex escorts and they are beautiful women who love men and, you know, are, are very much there for the emotional connection as well as you know, understanding that the emotional connection can come through the physical connection as well. Um, but yeah, I think it's uh, it's a loop, isn't it? Because when we go into those shame spirals and we know that we get a little relief from watching porn or going to see a sex worker, it's like scratching the itch, but not resolving where the itch comes from. You know, it's like, it's easier to do that and not get rejected than go and face the outside world and talk to women and potentially get rejected multiple times. And then, you know, relation, go through the relationship thing and, and all that type of stuff. So, and there's a, a statistic that's out and, you know, you may have a different resource and I would probably trust your stats more than mine, but 56.9% um, of men aged between 18 and 24 have not had sex in the last 12 months, which is phenomenal for me. And that's not just because they're like, you know, cultivating their masculinity and harnessing their seed. I don't, <laughs> I don't believe that's uh, just because they're trying to go, go celibate by choice. Um, yeah. What do you, what do you, what's your thoughts on that one? Yeah. I, um, I, I'm familiar with the statistic and I, I, I would tend to agree with it, I think. And cause there is good evidence to suggest that younger people, for example, are collectively having less sex than previous generations. Mm. I think part of that, you know, we got to take into consideration what the last couple of years have entailed, which is lockdowns and isolations and people being like really stressed out. And we know mm -hmm. that when people are really stressed out, they have less sex. So yeah. I think that is important context to take into good. consideration for that particular statistic. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, this idea, um, you know, the, one of the, one of the narratives I see in like the media and in people's just like, you know, collective consciousness is that male sexuality is a certain way. And mm -hmm. that certain way for a lot of people is like, it's inherently violent or it's mm -hmm. inherently aggressive or like mm -hmm. male sexuality is brutal. I think Stephen March said in one of his syndicated columns mm -hmm. and like that is perpetuated a lot mm -hmm. in mainstream media that like men are perverts right or men are always wanting to have sex and like, like any sex will do and that they're creepy dudes like if you start to tune into like that story you'll see it across all types of media these like that guys like these dirty sex crazed like perverts essentially is like the the word that comes to mind um and so a lot of guys internalize that right and they'll go oh well, i guess like that's what men are supposed to be like you know well that's what well, i'm you know and, and and we were talking just before the podcast like of older men kind of initiating younger men into like their, you know, sexual expression as men. And, and, and like, I felt that way for a long time that I had to be always looking for, have, looking to have sex, always be on the prowl, always be initiating or escalating sexual experiences because that was what I saw the other men around me doing. That's what the older boys were doing when I was in high school. That's what, like, when I went to college, that's what like the, the, um, what are they called? Uh, freshman, junior, seniors, whatever. That's what the guys above me were doing. Like mm -hmm. there was this like expectation that as a man, you should be doing this with your sexuality. You should be, pro you know, progressing and uh, asserting and dominating. And like, I don't discount that there is a um, value in exploring that in a healthy way to be dominant, to be assertive, like to explore your anger in a sexual context. But like none of that nuance was offered to me as a young man, right? It was just like, here's you know what you Here's do as a guy how it is yeah yeah and if you don't something's wrong with you 
And then the flip side of that gets, you know, played, preyed upon in the media, which is like, all men are, are perverts. All men have, you know, this violent, uh, inherently violent sexual libido, right? And it's like, and, and so like, if I speak into my own personal, you know, feelings around that, I'm like, I'm caught in two worlds, you know, I'm being told by men, this is what I'm supposed to be. And then I'm also being told by men that like, we're all inherently violent. And I was like, I'm not inherently violent with my sexual nature. Like that's not, that's a pretty fucked up thing to tell men, you know, mm. to perpetuate. Mm. Um, and so, we, you know, so it's a no wonder, in my opinion, that like guys are confused about like exploring and expressing their sexuality because mm. we've kind of been told that this is how male sexuality is. And so part of my mission, I suppose, is to poke holes in that story and to offer a bit of an alternative and to you know, bring some nuance to that discussion. And so like, you know, part of that circles back around to what you were sharing before, which is like self-pleasure, getting guys to like explore their sexuality by themselves um, and recognizing that like, because when I st start to do that with guys, they start to notice those stories, right? Because they're, they're, they're not only stories that impact the way that they relate to the people they have sex with, but how they relate to their own body in a sexual sense. Mm. Mm. So a lot of the guys that I, I you know, encourage to do self-pleasuring practice, you know, I ask them, what, what do you do when you masturbate? What do you do when you self-pleasure? And I would typically reframe masturbation to self-pleasure yeah. But like, they'll just tell me like, yeah, I just, you know, I maybe sit at a computer screen. I have my phone in my hands or, um, you know, I'm, I'm standing over the toilet, right. And I'm just st stagnant, stationary, you know, tense, moving my hand up and down like that jackhammer style, you know, masturbation technique, like a little squeezing really thing, hard. Right? Yeah. Squeezing really yeah. hard. Yeah. And just like going through the motion and it's like, super disconnected from mm. their body from their experiences from like what they're actually feeling it's very linear and straightforward right there's mm. no room for variation or diversity and um it's goal oriented as well right and it's like you know going straight for the ejaculation straight for the mm. erection straight for like stimulation and mm. and then i'm like okay well how do you have sex right and oftentimes they describe to me a very similar approach to sex it's like very heady it's not very embodied Right, they're reliant on their partner to turn them on rather than being aroused by themselves. It's like straight for penetration. It's straight for like, you know, thrusting in and out like a car piston and it's like ejaculation oriented. And it's like, well, you know, this, you know, change that needs to happen with your approach to sex has to begin with your approach to sex with yourself, right? And like exploring pleasure in diverse multiple ways because that'll then change the way that you relate to the people that you have sex with, right? If you're much more pleasure oriented and much more focused on like, the variety of your sexual experiences, the diversity of the pathways that you have for pleasure, that's going to be your approach to, to, to sex with a partner as well. You'd be much more curious about their pleasure, much more open to like exploring things that maybe don't involve your cock and their vagina. Uh, and like, and so that's what I see as like this, not a solution necessarily, but like the antidote to this mm. like story that guys just like only want one thing. And that's mm. just penetration. They're, they're violent and aggressive mm. is to just like mm. go back to men and be like, fellas, here's the permission piece to prove that wrong and to explore your body and to stop giving a fuck what typically what other men think about you with regards yeah. to your sexuality. That was a big part of my sexual exploration was like, fuck, what if my mates find out that I'm mm. using sex toys? What if my mm. mates find out that I'm doing like a full body oil massage? You know, they're mm. going to think I'm fucking weird or yeah. a big piece. They're going to think I'm gay. Yeah. Right. So I had to work through that internalized homophobia. A lot of guys still have that story. Even gay guys that I've oh. worked with still have that story. Yeah. Um, so, so like that is where I feel like this work is super important. Is like, you know, 
getting guys to do that work by themselves because that'll shift collectively that yep. kind of microcosm to macrocosm shift yeah 100 percent. again so so many so many avenues <laughs> um there's you know i guess i just want to preframe by saying i'm still all for the quickie in the kitchen right like when when cam and i are talking here about changing the way you self-pleasure and and mastering your ejaculation and all those types of things it doesn't mean that every single sex session has to be the most deep and intimate and soul connecting and it likes like that's all we love that don't get me wrong that's that's what sex can and should be a vast majority of the time but that's also not taking away from the part of us that does get aroused quickly want to have sex in strange places in strange locations you know in the height of the moment and you know so it's it's all in, we're trying to be all inclusive rather than this is the only way but you know this whole conversation that cam and i are going to continue to have is like how do you have it all how do you encompass yourself to be able to experience all of the sexual experiences that are possible without making any of them wrong and um yeah the full spectrum yeah exactly you know uh one of the so one of the things i want to go down is you know you've played sport i played sport uh, most men out there have uh, at least an understanding of what sport is if they don't play it. And I look at, and we, I think we said this in the, when I was on your podcast, masturbation or self-pleasure is like training for your game, right? And if you are training for your game, if you have a one-hour game, like let's, I, I play AFL, right? You play soccer. They're about 90 minutes, you know, give or take. Both of them are about 90 minutes long. You don't train for three minutes, <laughs> You don't do one sprint from goalpost to goalpost and go, all right, I'm done. I'm ready to play for two hours on a Saturday. That's not how it works. You train multiple times a week for longer than the game so that when you get to the game, you are well-practiced. You, your team knows the moves. You know how to pass. You know how to shoot. You know how to defend. You know when to sprint. You know when to recover. You know, you know, like you, you, you train the whole thing so that you are ready for whatever comes up on the Saturday or Sunday if you play. Mm. And masturbation is training for sex. So you're staring at a screen or you're in the shower or you're, you know, standing over the toilet, like, and doing it in three minutes and then expect your, your sex to be 30 minutes long, even like you're not training how you play. And it's, it's when I explain it to men like that, a lot of the times they just go, fuck, I never even thought of it. I'm like, exactly. Like I have this, uh, in one of my programs, I call it pathways to pleasure. And so, you know, how, how you build pathways to pleasure in your body is how you will continually experience pleasure. And so, you know, and I'm sure you probably got some really beautiful insights on, for example, traumatic experiences when we're children that lead to pathways to pleasure. And like some women, men and women, can only get aroused when they're in actually a heightened state of fight or flight. You know, it's like I, I, they actually need hyperactivity, you know, and almost to be in fear in order to get aroused because they don't have any other pathways to pleasure inside their body, you know? Um, and at the same time, if you only ever go slow and soft, then what happens is the moment some intensity comes up, you can't don't feel safe and so you can't be aroused in that state either and so you know again we're talking about the full spectrum of arousal here and for men predominantly stare at a screen jerk off hard uh tense the whole body squeeze don't breathe don't move don't even make a sound and it's like and you're you're wanting to you think that's the best orgasm you can have i'm like wow there is so much more possible 
Um, mm. And to be fair, it wasn't until I went into the tantric communities. I mean, I'd started doing some self-pleasure on my own, but I wouldn't talk to anyone about it because yeah. God forbid anyone should fucking know what I was trying to do. Um, but and I started to connect with other women who had been doing it and they were like, you know, I love cocks. I think they're beautiful. And my whole life was cocks are ugly. They're bad. They're ugly. They, you know, whatever. And I received cock worshiping, you know, experiences. And I, it made me feel comfortable about my cock. And then from there, it allowed me to play with, like I had a better relationship with it. So then I changed the way that I engaged with it. And, you know, long story short, orgasms and ejaculations are something that, you know, are very close together. But when you train yourself, you can separate, which is what allows you to have pleasure that you don't have a point of reference for because there is no goal. And when that happens, you know, this is what solves premature ejaculation, erectile dysfunction, you know, sex shame, um, all, all those types of issues. Don't get me wrong. Testosterone has some level of it. Your diet has some level of it, but predominantly it's pathways to pleasure. It's how you have cultivated pathways to pleasure inside your body that will show up in your sexual interactions which allow you to be like, I don't need this only way to be aroused. I can do this way or this way or this way or this way. And when I explain it to men, I go, okay, your highway is the screen and the hard and fast. That's the highway. It's the easy path. You know, you've formulated that road thousands of times. That's the default. The first time we do this, it's going to be feel like you've got a machete and you're walking through the jungle and you're up a mountain and it's, it's not even a goat track yet. You know, it's not even a goat track. But the more you do that, the goat track will become stronger and then the goat track becomes a path and the path becomes a road and the road becomes a highway. And it's like mm -hmm. just getting the reps in. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it's it's the way, giving. And I think the biggest, one of the biggest issues I faced and I see in a lot of clients trying to get men to give themselves permission to do that, it brings up all of this insecurity around what is a man? like how i'm feeling things that i've not felt so there's a whole bunch of unprocessed emotion what is a man what is masculinity am i allowed to do this is there permission is it safe and it re it actually even though it's you know sex focused it brings up every fucking bit of insecurity they have around their masculinity and that's why so many men don't even go there yeah and i've heard you say on social media that you don't like to use the term exploring your femininity for and from what i understand if i paraphrase you and correct me if i'm wrong is because a lot of guys have resistance to this idea of being in their feminine mm -hmm. and so um I'm, I'm curious to get more of your thoughts on that man because i i'm similar i don't really like to use the terms feminine and masculine when i'm working with clients i'm mm. i've drifted out of that kind of like language um, mm. but i'm curious to know like more of your reasoning behind not using you know doing the the femininity stuff yeah so, you know, I mean, I still believe in masculine and feminine as a concept. You know, I still believe that, you know, the universe is made up of duality and masculine and feminine are, are polar opposites so that we can experience the spectrum, pain and pleasure, hot and cold, light and dark, up and down, you know. Um, but I grew up in construction, right? I, I grew up in construction. I grew up playing footy out in the country. Uh, I worked out in the mines. To try to coach a man and tell him in order to experience more pleasure, he needs to be in his feminine. Most guys will just, just that don't like everything in them contracts. We are still yeah. told that a man is masculine 
and that a woman is feminine. And so, yeah, and that's why I don't even say emotions are feminine. I don't say that emotions are feminine because if I do, well, that means that a man expressing emotion is in his feminine, which is not manly, which means he won't do it. Even on a, it's not even conscious necessarily. It's like a subconscious programming. So I just stay away from it uh, because it's easier to give men permission to like, it's like, how do I expand the concept of masculinity to include it as opposed to make it something separate to masculinity? That's yeah. the, that's the framework that I try to bring through. So yeah, I, I talk I like about that. light and dark masculine, you know, like the light is the conscious oh, yeah. and the soft and the compassionate and the dark is the aggressive, the, the dominant, the assertive. And, and that gives me and the men that I work with permission to experience more of masculinity as opposed to something separate to masculinity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate you speaking to that, man. And I, I tend to agree with you as well, like broadening the definition of masculinity as opposed to um, identifying it by what it isn't. You know, I think a lot of like times guys define their masculinity by what is femininity. Okay, mm. that's all that. What's left over, that must be masculinity. It's kind of like it's defined by, it's kind of like an like a negative definition. It's like an anti-definition. It's like, what is it not? Mm. Great. Now I know what it is. And if all this stuff is labeled femininity, then guys go, all right, then whatever's left over here, it must be masculinity for me. And oftentimes the stuff that's left over for a lot of guys is anger, uh, violence, uh, aggression. Mm. And they're like, oh, well, but, you know, and and part of why I think like there's tension culturally as well is because like we've seen so much empowerment happen for women, right? And stuff that has been, historically quote unquote masculine and a lot of guys who have internalized that been like well no this is what women are doing this is what's feminine this is what's masculine a lot of guys have seen huge strides in women's empowerment and um you know the the sexuality and the liberation movement so now a lot of guys are saying oh shit women can do all this other stuff Mm -hmm. right and now they're like you know that must mean that that's feminine now at least in my you know way that i've observed like guys think so like they're what's masculine for them is like now less and less and less because again, they're using that kind of negative definition of mm. masculinity being anything that isn't femininity. Mm. Uh, and so I'm all for broadening like that spectrum of masculinity or like that, that definition of masculinity to include more things because once we start to really narrow it down, we're like, you're excluding so many people and like, and that insecurity is huge for guys as you kind of speaking into like men are afraid of not being masculine they're afraid of not being man enough like we're told it our whole lives like mm. you've got to man up you've got to be a real man so um and on the flip I'm- they're also scared of being hyper masculine which is then seen as dominant and aggressive and you know, overbearing and you know which we've seen recently in social media with certain very loud characters who are you know promoting strong masculine men are are, are kind of being torn down and i'm not saying their name and i'm not saying whether i agree or disagree i'm just speaking into the concept of you know be man be strong don't be weak don't be soft but don't be too strong don't be too aggressive don't be too dominant and it's like you you're you're, yeah like you say you're minimalizing the the field of possibility to this tiny little section which puts a lot of men in freeze and goes well i just won't take any action because what's the fucking point all right, guys, I'm really sorry. That is all we have time for on this episode of the Advanced Man podcast. I know we're getting uh, hot and heavy in here, but uh, if you're enjoying this podcast, please tune in next week. We will finish our interview with Cam Fraser talking all things men sex.